Our scripture reading this morning comes from Mark 13, verses 32 to 37. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey, when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. The prophet Isaiah declares that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I've got great news. Jesus is coming back. Now, this is fabulous, but it is, of course, led to some speculation as to when he will return, uh, which has led a lot of people to ignore that whole no one knows the day or the hour uh, thing that Jesus just said. So, for instance, Kyle, if you want to throw up that first image, in 2011, Emily and I saw these uh, posters around New York. Um, I don't know if you know, but that didn't actually happen. Wrong. Uh, If you want to show the second one, Kyle. In 1988, this was a very popular book. Did Jesus come back in 1988? I I don't think so. And then also, in this third image, We have some who make timelines of every minute detail of Jesus' return with so much detail that I don't think God even gave us that much detail. And so I have to ask, when Jesus tells us about his second coming, why does he do so? Is it so that we will try to figure out exactly when he will return? Or is it so we will try to figure out what part of revelation we are in based on major events like this next image? It's Mrs. Kravitz. (laughs) Or is it so that we will know, one, that he is returning so we can have the ultimate hope, and two, so that we will always be ready because he could return at any time. And so Jesus is coming back. And at his return, we will be raised from the dead, just like he was. Now, if you're a Walking Dead fan, I don't mean there will be a zombie apocalypse. I'm talking about we will be raised from the dead with immortal, perfected bodies, no longer subject to disease or decay or to death. Jesus says in John 6, 40, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And the day Jesus speaks about in John and the one he speaks about in Mark are one in the same. And at Jesus' coming, he will bring about a final judgment. John 5, 24 to 29, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here 
when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, and those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. For all of those who have put their trust in Christ, we will be raised to eternal life forever. We will not be condemned in judgment before God because of our sins. Now, it's not because we don't deserve to be condemned, but because Jesus took God's condemnation and judgment that we deserved upon himself so that we would be forgiven and we would be made right with God. And so then, because of that, we will dwell with God in a new heaven and a new earth forever and ever. There's this misperception that you trust in Jesus, you die, you go to heaven, and that's it. You're just kind of sitting on a cloud all day. But that's, that God's plan is actually bigger than that. Yes, you go to heaven, but there's another step. God's plan is to restore everything back to Eden's paradise by raising us from the dead and bringing about a new heaven and a new earth. You know, I used to think that Jesus coming meant he was popping by for a visit, you know, going to stay for a few days. And I was actually quite terrified because for some reason I thought he was going to pop up from a windowsill and scare me. I don't know where I got that idea, but that's not it. Jesus isn't coming for a visit. He's coming to move into town permanently. We read this in Revelation 21, 1 to 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And this is interesting because in Genesis 1, the first words are, in the beginning God created what? The heavens and the earth. Revelation 21, very, very end of the Bible, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Verse 2, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. No more war, no more gun violence, no more disease or injustice, no more death, no more grief. Every awful thing that this present world has thrown at us will be gone forever. And we will be with the Lord in the fullness of joy. I want you to think about the best day you have ever had in your life. I want you to then multiply it by a trillion. And even that will not compare to the joy of being with God on that day and forever more. We will dwell in the physical presence of the Lord, not because we've earned it, but because of God's great love for us 
in Christ. And that is a hope that is out of this world. And so our passage this morning also helps us to know that Jesus could come at any time. On the one hand, we, because of this, we shouldn't be so eager to try to set dates or become overly fixated on his second coming to the point that we ignore what God wants us to do here and now. But on the other hand, we shouldn't let the fact that Jesus has delayed his coming lead us to be inattentive to our spiritual lives and to say, well, I mean, he probably won't come back for another hundred years, so I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll worry about my Jesus stuff later. I'm just going to do my own thing, and then maybe, you know. That's not how it works. I'm sorry, all. He could come at any time, <laughs> like literally, even this second. Okay, I, I tried. I hoped. I really was hoping. But truly, it does feel like Jesus is taking his sweet time sometimes, right? Yeah. Speaking on this topic of why Christ hasn't come yet, 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. In not having come back yet, God is giving people an opportunity to turn to him, to be saved through faith in Christ before it is too late. This is the only way to be restored to relationship with our Creator, to be forgiven, to be right with God. But of course, how will people know that truth and this marvelous good news if we don't tell them that they too can have hope beyond this world, both today and forever? Now, since Jesus could come at any time, Jesus says to stay awake. idea of being awake, but also could mean keeping alert and keeping watch. It's the idea of don't fall asleep on the job. Don't get distracted from following Jesus and obeying his word. Imagine this. You are a teenager and your parents are away for the weekend. And so you decide to throw a party, knowing that by the time your parents come home, you will have cleaned up everything. So you invite 50 of your closest friends over and pretty much trash the place. Like, it looks horrible. It smells horrible. And, you know, in the middle of the party, you're just not worried. You're like, you know what? They're not going to be home for another 24 hours. I'll have this cleaned up. They'll be none the wiser. And then they walk in the door. They came at a time you didn't expect. And that's kind of what Jesus is getting at in this passage. Always be ready. Don't be taken by surprise. Verses 34 to 36, he says, It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. 
In this parable that Jesus tells here, a master returning to his house in the middle of the night was not something you would do. It was highly unlikely because there were no street lights in the first century. To travel at night, you could probably get yourself killed. But that's Jesus' point. Expect the unexpected. Be ready even when you don't think you need to be. And so at all times then, let Christ be our ultimate affection. Let us seek to make him our deepest goal, our greatest love. Let us seek to follow him in all things and follow his ways every day so that we will not be taken by surprise. How would you live differently today if you knew that Jesus was coming back tomorrow? It's a good question to ask ourselves because it it helps us see the areas where God is calling us to to, um, go deeper in our walk with him, things that God might be calling us to change. I asked myself this question this week, and I made a list. Number one, I'd eat all the chocolate cake I wanted because it wouldn't matter the next day. Number two, I'd make sure we hosted a giant church dinner because we do it for every other reason, why not? In all seriousness, I'd spend more time talking about Jesus with those who don't know him. I'd be less fearful about it. I'd pray more for the salvation of loved ones. I'd spend more time evaluating my heart with God. And again, I think we can, by answering that question, point to areas where God wants us to grow. Because whether or not Jesus comes back tomorrow, These are things that God calls us to every day in our walk with Christ. So how do we stay prepared for Jesus coming? Four things. Number one, don't put off trusting in Jesus. We are not promised tomorrow. And so if you haven't ever trusted in Christ, if you haven't received the mercy and the grace and the love that he offers us, I encourage you to do that today. You know, we can say, you know, I'll live my life, I'll do what I want for a while, but then when I get close to the point of death, I will, you know, then I'll surrender my life to God and and be all Christian-like. But none of us knows the day of our death, and none of us knows the day of Christ's return. Don't forfeit God's kingdom in the future, and don't forfeit the grace and the mercy and the joy that you can have with him here and now. Because the way into this new heaven and new earth is through trusting Christ alone. Number two, having been saved, live life with Jesus. God is always present with us. And so let us live with that reality in mind. Wherever you go, know that Jesus goes with you. At church, at work, at home, at school, when you're visiting somebody, Seek God daily in prayer in the scriptures. Let us be guided by his word and his wisdom. Have faith conversations. Make them a regular thing with friends, with parents, with children. Live a life of repentance before God, continually confessing sins and turning to him because we're called to a lifestyle of repentance. And none of us will ever get this perfectly but are we seeking Jesus with our hearts and lives? Number three, let no part of your life be exempt 
from Jesus' presence. I think sometimes we mistakenly divide life into the sacred and the secular, the, the Christian and the God's not really involved in this. Uh, for instance, uh, listening to Christian music, that's sacred. But writing reports for my job, that, that's secular. Prayer is sacred. Playing baseball is secular. But God is not in one and absent in the other, is he? We can bring glory to God in every single thing we do. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. We can write reports and do our work well, cheerfully, ethically, for the glory of God and be a witness of Jesus. We can respect classmates, teachers, and coworkers. We can study hard for the glory of God. We can be a good teammate and show good sportsmanship and help players who are struggling for the glory of God. And these things can be a great witness to those around us who know that we are doing this because we love Jesus. And so let us seek to bring glory to Jesus in everything we do in our lives. Number four, proclaim the gospel with your words and lives. This is crucial. Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Proclaim the good news of Jesus. That is our mission as Christians. One way to do this is just to invite people into your life. People that don't know Jesus, invite them into your home, into activities, into things you do. And find ways to bless them and to serve them and to have conversations about the Lord that arise naturally, not as a debate, but as a conversation. Proclaim the gospel because Jesus is coming at a time we don't expect. And you never know how God might use you to bring someone to know him. And so finally, friends, let us hold on to this blessed hope. Be encouraged. Jesus is coming. Darkness doesn't win. Injustice doesn't win. Sickness doesn't win. Jesus does. And so hold on and be ready. God has never left you. And one day, we will dwell with him face to face. Christ is coming, and nothing that ever happens on this earth will ever compare to the day we are with him. And so let us be a people and a church prepared for his return. Let us pray. Lord, we join with saints across the ages and say, Come, Lord Jesus. We look forward to your return. And we ask that as we await it, you would help us to do what you call us to do, to live our lives for you and with you each day.
and to help us, give us opportunities to proclaim the gospel to those around us so that they might have this blessed hope too. Thank you for your coming return. In Jesus' name, amen.